Last week, we discussed that there are many things that claim priority in the life of the local church. Yet, a healthy church body is focused on the gospel as the utmost priority. The gospel that is working within us, changing our lives from the inside out, and also the gospel that is overflowing to to those around us, to our co-workers, our neighbors, our community, the place that God has, has put this church body. But mark it down that every healthy church that's centered on the gospel has healthy church leaders that are focused on the gospel. You're not going to have a healthy church body that's focused on the right things, focused on the, the gospel, its work in our hearts. If you do not have church leaders that are first focused on the gospel. It's easy to lose this priority of, of a focus on the right things, on the gospel and its work in us and through us. It's easy to, to forget this priority and replace it with lesser things. And last week we saw how important it is to have church leaders uh, that are focused on the gospel in Titus 1.5. In fact, if you're there, we're going to read Titus 1.5 together. And Paul says to Titus, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So we saw last week that there is a charge that Paul gives Titus for godly leadership. He gives him a charge that that you are to be instrumental in establishing godly leadership for this church on the island of Crete. The church then is not complete without godly leadership. As we discussed last week, something happened to where Paul had to leave Crete. It's not recorded for us in, in the Bible what Uh, But he was not able to finish the job of truly establishing this church with leaders, with elders. So he leaves Titus there to finish the job. That shows us that there is a great necessity for godly leadership in the local body. You remember last week we talked about, he says, so that you might put what remained into order. Um, that, that what remained is, a, is, is in the plural. The things that remain. There was more than one thing to be, kept, to be put in order, to be corrected, so that it was functioning properly in this church. And we're going to get to those things later on in this series. But above all of the other things that needed to be put in order, he says this is the utmost priority for having a godly leadership in the local body. So this week we're going to continue kind of looking at at eldership. 
We're going to seek to gain a greater understanding of, of what is the meaning of elders, what is their role, what is their function in the local body, if this is truly such an important thing that Paul says above everything else that's lacking in the church in Crete, this is the one thing that I'm again reminding you, I've already told you before I left at the end of verse 5, as I directed you to do this, and I want to remind you once again, if it's that important, then we are going to take some time to understand what biblical leadership, biblical eldership looks like. And as you know, as we have been um, going into this series for several weeks now, the key premise of our entire series, let's, let's once again, uh, let's wake ourselves up from this hour time loss, and let's say this together, okay? A pure church is a church of gospel-engaged individuals. And this morning, we're going to add a parenthesis, beginning with church leadership. Let's pray this morning. Lord, would you, as we look at this crucial topic of, of elders, of pastors, of, of church leaders in the local body, Lord, would you instruct our hearts, instruct our minds. Lord, for some, this may be the first uh, time of concentrated teaching on this topic that, that uh, some have ever heard. Lord, for others, this is something that, that has been heard many times. God, for many in our congregation, I think that you desire to place a, a burden in their hearts and to instill a fire in their hearts to pursue this calling of eldership. So Lord, I pray that no matter where we are at this morning in, in this congregation, Father, that the Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts. The Holy Spirit would, would, would stoke a fire in our hearts. That we would pursue to be a church that is truly composed of gospel-engaged individuals. Lord, that in our midst that you would raise up leaders, that you would raise up elders to carry the mission of the gospel through Covington Baptist Church, into our community. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue looking at this charge for godly leadership. We are not going to this morning get into verses 6 to 9, the qualifications of, that is to be characteristic of an elder's life. We're going to take one more week this morning to talk about uh, what exactly an elder is. Last week, we looked at the necessity uh, of godly leadership, and this morning, I want to look at understanding godly leadership. I want to look this morning at eldership and the local church, and I first want to devote our attention this morning to the role of an elder. If an elder truly is, as we just saw from Titus 1.5, so important, let's understand this concept of an elder. And I think that maybe you haven't thought of this before, but the concept, the concept stems uh, from Judaism. It stems all the way back to the Old Testament. 
The concept of of eldership is not something that is new with the local church. Now, there are new aspects to it. But the actual concept of eldership, it stems from the Old Testament and even the surrounding culture in in which Israel was a part. I just want to read and show you on the overhead a few verses where this is the case. In Genesis 50, verse 7, just listen, it's not going to be on the overhead. When when Joseph dies at the end of Genesis, and, and, uh, or excuse me, not Joseph, but his father Jacob dies, and there was a huge funeral, it says, so Joseph went up to bury his father, Jacob, with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. So in the Old Testament, we see a patriarchal society where um, the families usually stayed close with one another, and the father of that family was given great respect, was given great esteem, was very influential even in future generations. The father of a clan was considered an elder. In fact, in Ezra 10, verse 16, when when the Israelites are brought back from Babylon into uh, Jerusalem, there was a problem that, that again, the, the Jewish people, they disobeyed God's laws, and as they went back to Jerusalem, they married foreign wives, which the law said, do not, they will lead you astray. Well, they were going to correct the problem, and it's interesting in Ezra 10, 16, it says, then the returned exiles did so. Ezra the priest selected men, heads of fathers' houses, according to their fathers' houses, each of them designated by name. On the first day of the 10th month, they sat down to examine the matter. So eldership was composed of the leaders of the clans in the family. But as leadership in the clans, they led the people, they led the nation. In Exodus 4, verse 29, we just got done with our series uh, in Exodus. Who did Moses and Aaron meet with when they went into Egypt? Well, in Exodus 4, 29, it says, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Later on, as as the children of Israel are taken out out of slavery, out of Egypt, they meet God on Mount Sinai. It says, Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. You say, Pastor Adam, why are you going through all of this kind of information with us? Because we see the concept of elders leading God's people all the way back in the Old Testament. This was not not only a, a role that elders had with their families, but this was a spiritual responsibility. In fact, in Deuteronomy 27, Moses is about to die. Uh, Joshua is going to take over, lead the people of Israel into the promised land, the land of Canaan. It says, now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, keep the whole commandment that I command you 
today there was a spiritual responsibility the elders of Israel had. There was also a social responsibility we see in the Old Testament. You remember the story of Ruth and Boaz? Boaz comes, he wants to marry Ruth to buy the property that, that, that Naomi uh, owns. It says, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down at the city gates. This was a very influential role that elders had in the society of Israel. One more verse just from the Old Testament where the eldership, the leaders of Israel held great accountability to the Lord. Isaiah 3.14. God is about to judge his people and he says the Lord will enter into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. These elders, these rulers for God's people were doing a lousy job. They were cheating the people. They were leading them astray from God's law. And they held great responsibility. In fact, even in the Gospels, there's 24 occurrences of the elders of Israel. So this concept is not a new concept when the church is formed in Acts 2. There is great responsibility of leadership and care and instruction and fairness that elders were to have in the society of Israelite culture. But this eldership concept it not only has its origins that we read of scripturally in the Old Testament, the concept is then instituted into the early church. And that's why we see passages like Acts 14.23. It says, Paul and his missionary journeys, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So now we see eldership being a part, not in an ethnic national sense as it was with Israel in the Old Testament, but now eldership is a part of the spiritual sense of God's people leading them. In fact, there didn't take long in Acts just like in our churches for today, for controversy to stir up. The gospel message, it is not just for the Israelite people. It starts to go to the Gentiles. And all of the sudden, there is a great controversy that certain uh, people within the Jerusalem church are saying, you must be also circumcised. You must also follow the law to be a Christian. Faith in Christ is not enough. Well, Paul and Barnabas, they are saying, we're going to settle this matter. It's not going to be an issue of division. They went to the church of Jerusalem, and all throughout Acts 15, we read that they went to the Jerusalem apostles and elders as they sought to establish what, the, uh, what was scriptural truth. 
And then in the verse Terry just read, in Acts 20, we see that Paul, once again, he calls the Ephesian elders to encourage them in the faith, to continue leading the people of God. So when we come to a, a passage like Titus 1.5, and we read about appointing elders, or when we read in the, the New Testament about this concept of, of elders, it's easy to read past the term and not to give much thought to the importance of this role in the life and the, in the vitality of the local body. So if this concept is so important, not only do we want to, to look at the concept of elders, the role of elders and its importance, but we want to, to answer the question, what are the responsibilities of an elder? In other words, what is an elder called to do? There are three key terms that the Bible uses to describe church leadership in the New Testament. Now, some church, some denominations may say that these three terms that are used to describe uh, uh, a church leader are three different offices, and they have kind of this, this hierarchy type uh, uh, division, but we're going to see that these are three terms that describe the single role of a pastor or an elder and that first term is the very word elder itself that's used in the New Testament. If you're in 1 Timothy, if you want to look at chapter 4, verse 14. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. Paul writes this to Timothy. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. We see the term elder is used there. And in the, the specific context of 1 Timothy 4.14, we see a, a role, a responsibility of spiritual direction and exhortation that the elders give Timothy. They confirm in him the gift that God has given him through the Holy Spirit. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, just a page over, notice what, what Paul says concerning elders, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So we see here that the role of an elder involves uh, ruling not in a sense, a, tyr a tyrannical sense that, that we think of when we hear the word rule, because that, as we're going to see next week, that uh, is put to a close with the qualifications of an elder, but they are to guide, they are to oversee, they are to rule over uh, the affairs of the local church, and they are also to be preachers and teachers. 
So, so when we look at the Old Testament role of eldership, we see that they were elders because of their leader and their maturity and age and wisdom. When we look at the New Testament concept of elder, we do not necessarily see that the term elder has to refer to one's age, but one's spiritual maturity. That spiritually they are mature and are able to guide the affairs, lead the church spiritually. In James 5.14, this verse will be on the overhead for you. James says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We don't have time to get into uh, the context of what James is saying there, but I want to point out to you that we see again the responsibility of an elder is prayer meeting spiritual needs of those that are in their care. So the first term we, that we see in the Bible in the New Testament that describes the role of elder in the lo, or the role of a church leader in the local church is that of an elder, one who is spiritually mature, who is leading God's flock. The second term that we see in the New Testament that describes a spiritual leader is the term pastor or shepherd. And we see this word, this description being used of of church leadership in places like Ephesians 4.11 where it talks about God's giftings. He says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds. You can also translate that word pastors and teachers. So we see uh, there in the list of, of gifts that God gives to the local church that the pastor the shepherd, the teacher is listed. In Acts 20, 28, a verse that Terry read this morning, notice that, that Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Notice that throughout the Bible, uh, uh, the church is compared to as a flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for. In other words, to shepherd. Same word is used that we saw in Ephesians 4.11. It's just the verb form of that word. Shepherd the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. We see that shepherding then involves spiritual care and guidance for God's flock. In 1 Peter 5.2, we, we see similar, similarly, Peter writes to the elders, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. In other words, Peter is giving the elders here instruction. How do you care for God's flock? Well, you, don't ex- uh, you do this by exercising oversight, guidance, and care for God's flock. Not because you have to, but because you want to do this as an act of service to the Lord. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. There's a third term, however, that is used of church 
leadership. Not only elders emphasizing the spiritual maturity that is there, not only pastors emphasizing the, the, the pastoral shepherding care, but the third term is that of a bishop or an overseer. Depending on what translation you have, if you have an older translation, it may say bishop. Um, if you have a, uh, a newer one, it may say overseer. Uh, same word, just translated different ways. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3.1, if you're there, in giving the qualifications of a church leader, Paul says the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office, he doesn't say overseer or elder, he says office of overseer, he desires a noble task, a good task. So we see that, that the, the role of a church leader is to be one of oversight. Oversight of the assembly, particularly in spiritual matters. In Philippians 1.1, Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. And then in Acts 20.28, 20, again, the verse that Terry read, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So there's oversight of the assembly and there's spiritual accountability to the Lord because it's God is the one that made these individuals overseers. And even in our passage in Titus 1.7, as we'll see, he says the qualifications for an overseer. So let's just put this all together really quick. I know I'm throwing a lot of, uh, of, of, of information at you, but these are three different terms that are used to describe one office in the local church. How do we know this? Because these three words are used interchangeably in the same context in a single passage to describe one person, one group of people. I just want to show you two quick verses where this is the case. Acts 20, verses 17 to 18, and verse 28 on the overhead. Paul from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders. There's the first term of the church. When they had come, he said to them, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you, second term, overseers. So what are they to do as overseers? Third term, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So these are not three distinct and different offices in the local church. This is one office describing three aspects of the one role. Same thing in 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. Therefore I exhort the elders among you, first term, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed to what? Second term, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. How? Exercising, there's the third term, oversight. Being an overseer. Not under compulsion, but willingly. So as we see this morning, there is a great responsibility 
of leading God's body. We see the role of the elder, the responsibilities of an elder, but I also want us to look at the distinctions of an elder. I think if there's one thing we can gain from all these passages that we looked at, it's the fact that an elder is given a distinct stewardship from God. In fact, Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this to the church body regarding leadership. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will, who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So we see that there is that, that, that the author of Hebrews is talking about um, the, the, the two roles, that of church leadership and that of, of the membership, the, the body of Christ, that there is a stewardship from God to lead, to spiritually lead the flock. There is a responsibility of those that have committed to the local church to not with blindfolds on, not ignorantly, but to follow the godly leadership that Jesus has gifted each local assembly with. Because that is to the advantage of the body. And folks, we don't have time to get into this right here, but this is an excellent uh, verse describing the I would say the necessity of church membership. Because how is the spiritual leadership to know who is a part of the body that they will give an account to from the Lord? Is it the person that comes periodically? Is it the person that comes consistently but has never committed in covenant membership to follow um, together uh, the, the, the church covenant of the church? Who does the leadership give and account for to the Lord? What leaders are the people, the, the body, to listen to? If they are not saying, I want to join arms in our church covenant to follow together the direction of the Lord that is going forth from the leadership throughout the body. You see, church membership, I would say, is very biblical. There may not be a verse in the Bible that says, thou shaltest become a church member, but the concept is written all over the place in the New Testament. Biblical obedience, I would say, is biblical church membership. An elder is given a distinct stewardship from God. And I would also say an elder, we want to take note in the distinctions of an elder, is that an elder is distinct from a deacon. You see, God has gifted the church with two offices. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3, you will see qualifications for a an overseer or an elder, a pastor, 
And then you will see in verses 8 to 13 qualifications for a deacon. Two different roles. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, we read of the origin of, of the role of deacon that again, problems started to surface in the Jerusalem church, that there were some, some widows that were starting to get overlooked in the distribution of food. And it became a problem. And we see that it says the 12, these are the apostles, they summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching of the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And then we read later that the local church, uh, or they, um, the church confirmed, the church of Jerusalem confirmed seven men to be deacons in this matter of food distribution to the widows. Again, a pretty good idea that there was an organized list even in the early church, of who was a part of that church because of this whole thing of even food organization within the body. But seven men are brought out from among the body and they are put up to fulfill this role. So we see here in Acts 6 that there's a differentiation between the office of an, an elder and the office of a deacon in that there is a greater spiritual weight to eldership in the preaching, the teaching, the spiritual direction, oversight of the body, and the deacon who is involved in the functions of church life. Now before we make too sharp of a contrast, however, we have to note that these men were to be full of the Holy Spirit. They were to be of good repute. 1 Timothy 3 gives a list of qualifications. In other words, uh, the, the early church was not saying you can be a deacon if you're, good, if you're simply good with a hammer. No, they were men that were seeking to serve the Lord that were promoting the word of God. Two deacons, Stephen and Philip, were both evangelists. Stephen being killed for his faith as he declares the message of the gospel. Philip, who is going out and he's witnessing and he's, uh, God is sending him places. So this is not the idea of somebody who's more spiritual and less spiritual. Not at all. It's a difference in roles of equipping the body to carry out the work of the Lord. It's also interesting to note that this term deacon comes from the word that simply means to serve. This word is used in a formal sense, talking about the office of a deacon, but also this word is used in an everyday sense that we are all called to be deacons. We are all called to serve one another. See, both the deacon and the elder are called by God to build up the body of Christ. So this morning, I know that, that we've kind of hit a lot and we're almost done. 
but I just kind of want to start to land the plane. We kind of looked at an overview. We saw kind of the flying over um, the the PA Grand Canyon. We see see the river with all its twists and turns. We see the the crooks and nooks of the mountain, but now we're going to start to land. We saw already in all of this information this morning that the church is not complete without godly leadership. I hope that this morning you can sense the importance what the Bible has to say about church leadership. But I want to point out a few more things lest we feel, oh my goodness, yes, this is so important that rather than being a steward of what God has given us, we shrink back in fear and we bury that talent like in Jesus' parable. According to our text in Titus 1.5, I want to give you a second principle, uh, not only the necessity, the importance of eldership, but number two, a second principle Godly leadership is to arise, get this, within the local church. Did you get that? Godly leadership is to arise within the local church. In other words, unbiblical thinking would be We need to simply hire someone from the outside to be a spiritual leader. We have to, we need somebody that's been to seminary to therefore be our spiritual leader. I don't see that qualification in Timothy or Titus, and we'll get to that. I see spiritual qualifications. Yes, I see that, that, that there's a necessity to be grounded in God's word, but folks, that is to arise within the local church. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I was not born and raised in this church, and neither was Pastor Dennis. There's nothing wrong with going outside, but that is the beginning. If there is truly to be a, a plurality of elders in the local body, like what is described in the Bible, that is to come up within the local church, from the local body. You see, uh, specifications, that is why Paul gives specifications to Titus and to Timothy who they were to look for in accomplishing this. What are the types of characteristics in people is to arise in looking at raising elders within the local church. You see, eldership is not simply a professional vocation. It is a local calling. You see, an eldership team should be composed both of those who are able to give themselves full time to the task of, 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 of being an elder, of, of, of overseeing the body, and it should be composed of those who have normal everyday jobs who have been given the call by God to pursue leading his body in plurality. It's not simply a professional vocation. In fact, 1 Timothy 3.1, it's so interesting. If anyone, Paul says, aspires to the office of elders, uh, of overseer, 
In other words, if God has planted that burning desire. And at the beginning, it may not look like a desire, it may look like a fear, but there is a sense of calling that God has called me to be a part of leading the local body. You see, a truly healthy church is a church that grows and appoints spiritual leaders. Not just calls them out from the outside in. Grows and appoints them. That's what we see here. Titus, you are to be left in Crete. Here's the blueprint of what to look for in the life of an individual. Not that anyone's perfect. And you are to form and mold and establish that in Crete. Third principle as we close. I think we see from the New Testament example that churches are to be led by a plurality of leaders. Church leadership is not the responsibility of any one individual. In Titus 1, verse 5, we've already talked about this. Paul, uh, Paul talks about elders, plural, in every town, singular. In Acts eleven thirty, 30, uh, we see that gifts were sent to the elders, plural, uh, at the church in Jerusalem. The single church in Jerusalem, gifts were sent to help them. They were given to the elders, In Acts 14, 23, and when they had appointed elders, plural, for them in every church, singular. Not on the overhead, but 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders, plural, who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Same thing with 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2, so I exhort the elders, plural, among you. So there's more than one. No one individual is to form some type of a uh, dictatorship or hierarchy. Uh, We all need accountability, and that's one of the functions of a plurality of leadership. So as we close today, I just want to give you a fourth and final principle as we completely land this plane. We want to talk just for a second about leadership in Covington Baptist Church. And praise the Lord that the Lord has has gifted many individuals in our church that come alongside Pastor Dennis, myself, to, to lead this church. And we want to be a church, we want to continue to be a church that sees the need to follow the biblical model of leadership. So for instance, for the past year, year and a half, um, at, our, at our deacons' meetings, um, one meeting a month, we kind of have devoted to looking at what the Bible says about leadership and look at this office of elder. What is it composed of? We're going through a book right now, um, understanding the role of elder so that we can be better equipped to lead the church. Right now, uh, our church... De- uh, does, not f- does not have elders. We are looking in that direction to have elders. Our deacons that we currently have pretty much 
are doing the role of elders, but we want to be consistent with the terms we see in the Bible. And we are looking at that, the need to follow the biblical model of leadership. Number two, we want to be a church, we want to continue to be a church that sees the need to follow the spiritual qualifications of leadership. So one of the inconsistencies that can sometimes be present, if you have a leadership team of deacons, well, the Bible gives specific instructions uh, for what a deacon is to do, but also some different instructions for what an elder is to do. So we want to hone that in and have the elders be doing what the elders are supposed to do and the deacons doing what the deacons are supposed to do and not kind of have some overlap. So we want to be a church that sees the need to follow spiritual qualifications of leadership. And then thirdly, we want to be a church and we want to continue to be a church that sees the need to promote the health of the body as a whole. And again, that comes from the top down. And again, we praise the Lord for the leaders of Covington Baptist Church. And as we look at the text of Titus, we look at other texts throughout the New Testament, we want to hone that and we want to make that more and more in line with Scripture. All of this is for the goal of being the same principle that we are going through every week in this series. Let's say it together. We want to be a pure church that is a church of gospel-engaged individuals in the context of what we talked about this morning that begins with church leadership. Let's pray. Thank you.